Welcome to the Living It Up Podcast. Welcome to the Living It Up Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of competitive golf. In this episode, we will talk Justin Rose's Monday finish victory at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Honest Abe Answer wins the Saudi Invitational and a wild finish on the DP World Tour. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction, the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. You know you need some gear to better manage the elements, so head to zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for a very generous 30% off your purchase. This is Brian. I am joined by George and PGA Tour veteran Billy Hurley III. Let's start with you, Billy. You've played the AT&T a number of times. You've actually partnered at the Zurich team event with Peter Malnati, who played uh, played really well this week, finishing fourth. You know, I'm curious to get your uh, your thoughts on the Crosby clam bake. Yeah, I mean, going to Pebble is always fun. And, and I've said it before, but the way, the way that I look at uh, Pebble Beach is if it's a good day, if you don't need your umbrella, and it's a great day if you take off your sweater. And obviously, these guys didn't really take off their sweaters, and they needed the umbrella quite a bit this week. So, um, you know, tough week from a weather standpoint. That's always a thing. Um, it, it, you know, you just kind of never know what what's going on. You know, you, you, you never know how that's going to go, right? I mean, this is in the second week of February, first week of February, kind of all the time. That's where it sits. And and you never know how the weather is going to be then. You know, I I remember a couple years ago looking at the forecast and and I I tweeted like, did did Steve John, the the guy who runs the the tournament, did did he pay the weather channel for this forecast? Because it was Chamber of Commerce weather. You know, it was like 65 and sunny was the forecast on Thursday, the week before. And so, you know, and that year you have, you had a decent amount of commitments like Thursday and Friday going into the week. So there's guys who, who watch the weather to know if they're going to play pebble or not, you know, and that's um, kind of a, kind of a bit of thing, or, or you have the other year, a couple of years ago where I was called Wednesday at, um, I think it was 3 PM Eastern. And I was in the field. I was at home in Annapolis, Maryland, because I started the week like 17th alternate. And the weather was so bad that it got all the way to me. And Wednesday afternoon, I was in the field. And I'm looking around going, how the heck do I get myself to California? There was a way to do it, but it felt like I'm going to get into a hotel room at 3 a.m. and tee off at 9 a.m. And this is just not a good business proposition. Um, So I actually in the guy who turned down playing golf with Adam Scott and Kelly Slater. But um, yeah, so I've got that going for me, but you know, this was a mix. Um, Never fun to finish on a Monday throws the whole next week off. You know, how many guys were, uh, you know, axed out of the Monday qualifier in, in, in Phoenix for the first designated event because they had to finish some of their round on Monday or, or late Sunday and couldn't, couldn't get there. Well, you know, based on the WDs, there was uh, plenty of guys who did the math and chose to roll the dice in Phoenix rather than to finish out in Pebble Beach. Yeah, there's no question guys did that, but those guys were missing the cut, right? I don't think anybody who made the cut like did 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 the math and and just walked on the official, you know, FedEx Cup points, took last place money. And, and there were there were some really funny ones. I don't know if you guys caught this at the end of the Sunday rounds. There were some guys that finished their fourth round on Sunday. 
And there was one really funny one, actually, Kyle Westmoreland, who is an Air Force Academy golfer, finished up with essentially like a spotlight from one of the restaurants shining down on the 18th green at Pebble Beach. Like it was it was very, very dark. But that that spotlight just happened to show right in the bunker and and the flagstick line. And so they were able to to, to finish out in darkness because they they wanted to, I think, scoop down to, to Phoenix for that qualifier. Yeah, well, nobody wants to come back Sunday or Monday to to, you know, hit one putt or something if you can avoid it you know kind of kind of thing for sure but yeah but i mean you mentioned peter at the top brian and and yeah peter's one of my best friends on tour we you know played a bazillion practice rounds together we played mini tours together we played corn Ferry tour together um and and you know played played zurich uh handsomely once uh, uh together not so handsomely the other time we played together but uh he's he's just he's a good mutter really i i mean that that's kind of what it comes down to is he, he really is a, a good foul weather player um because he's kind of used to scrambling in 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 general he's he's not the world's greatest ball striker i mean that's Put not a clinic news. in scrambling yeah, on yeah he, i mean yeah no i mean that's that's kind of that's kind of what he does week in and week out so now everybody's doing it and so it's, it, it, you know, levels the field for him a, a, a little bit, you know, he's, he's a bit like me in the sense that when his ball striking catches up to his putting, he has great weeks. And most guys are the opposite, right? When their putting catches up to their balls striking, you know, they, they have their great weeks for the year. And, um, but, but Peter just, you know, he excels in this, in this format, I think, because he is, he is uh very positive. He, you know, he, he, you know, strokes gained attitude, I think it was, was, was mentioned. And um, he, he definitely has got a great attitude, always does, you know, loves being out there, loves playing golf, loves competing, you know, loves grinding. And so these types of weeks, you know, work, work for him and, and he turned it into uh, a, a great showing. Yeah, watching him on when they started the final round on Sunday, and and that's basically when I caught most of, of what was shaken on the Sunday telecast. Um, extremely relatable play, just on the tee box, no clue where it's going, landing in every dimension of funny spot and making a number. I mean, he he'd get it up and down. On the par fives, he made. I think he had birdies on the on the par five. So, you know, he was he was getting his ball around from a lot of places. Uh, so, as as someone who knows that that feeling on the tee well of of being just nuclearouche with no clue where it's going, um, I, I felt for him. I was I was rooting for him. He was my spirit animal out there. Yeah, I think I think one hole, if you want to say it, typified the round to a degree. He hits a provisional ball off of one, but finds his first ball. He's kind of behind a tree, has to craft a shot, and just hits a, a gem of a punch out, just rolls up and you know makes the twelve footer for birdie. So it goes from nearly hitting three off the tee to to tapping in for 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 birdie there. Um, but here's a good one. Here's first. a good one. I thought two off the first was just standard golf. Is that not on the tour? <laughs> yeah, but he played his first one. Oh, well, I mean, that's true. I mean, and that's actually poor form. If you play yeah, too often, that's first, poor form. Yeah, you're play supposed to play the second one. That's yeah. right. That's right. But um, it, it, it was okay, interesting. Okay, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So so I, I want to know, like, George, you, you said you, 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 you relatable, like you've played this round of golf before. Peter shot three under 69 in the final round, you know, hitting it everywhere off the map. I mean, if you play Peter Malnati's T-balls, what, what do you shoot? Uh, not three under 69 i'll tell you that much um 
we we would actually you know what i because I, I that's my that's my round of golf and it will either be 77 or it will be 82 there'll be nothing in the middle that'll be well, my it's round. not that big of a span I, mean, I thought you were no. at least going to go to like 88 or something. No, no I, I, just, I, I've tight. been, I've been you're stuck. Tight. You're tight. Okay. I've been stuck in this absolute miserable twilight zone right now. Uh, probably for the last like six, seven weeks where I could be two over going to the 15th hole. Somehow I will come off the 18th hole with an 81. I just, it's, it is on lock right now. It is startling. Although I did go to the range Sunday afternoon I changed my hand position. I think I found something. So we're really excited uh, going forward. But yeah, it's been it's been a tough scene out there for a bit. George is going to be dialed for our Super Bowl one club uh, event at the club. You know, uh, famously, though, it was it was an, an interesting mixed bag in that final group. So Peter Malnati shoots a 300 par 69. Uh, Justin Rhodes ends up with the victory, a, a very kind of classy 600 par 66, uh, very much felt like he was in control of his golf ball, made a few lengthy putts, sort of, you know, 25 to 35 foot putts that, you know, just kind of rolled in and, and he, and he made enough of those that he kept it pretty handy down the stretch, like not a lot of stress in, in the way he was swinging it. But then there was Kurt Kitayama, who maybe George was even just as relatable shooting a, a, a 76. And there was a moment actually on the eighth hole when this rain squall came in that Billy, I wanted to ask you about because both Kitayama and Mulnati hit pretty scratchy drives and they're walking up and they're, they're looking at, I think both hybrids into the eighth hole as the rain is starting to come down. Kitayama hits one off the cliff, does not find it, ends up making a double. Peter, as the rain is pouring down, hits a, a decent shot into the left bunker, but does not get up and down. And Justin Rose actually sort of like waits it out almost like he's just sort of sitting there in no hurry behind his towel. And even though he did hit his second shot when there was still rain, it was almost as if he knew this is like a five to 10 minute squall. I'm going to wait this out as best I can. And I'm curious because we had talked about like, how do you how do you operate when you're on the clock? And there's sort of a method to that. I'm curious, Billy, when you have these elements, is there also like a way to not slow play it, but just like manage the round when you know that like the elements are just getting hammered at you. No question. That's a part of competing. That's a part of, you know, being a tour pro and 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 playing week in and week out, you know, year after year and 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 you face those elements and you learn learn how to do it. I mean, but yeah, the the eighth hole was a crazy one because there were so many drives that went shorter than second shots. Um, obviously it's one where you're kind of laying it up. Um, anyway, it's not a driver because the cliff comes into play if you were to hit driver. But I think with that com combination of, of kind of a layup tee shot, plus some big wind and rain left guys hitting like a 200 yard tee shot and having 230 into the hole kind of, kind of thing. It was kind of a interesting scene to, to look at on, on shot tracer and, and hey, on, that kind on, of thing. But on number eight, when Bryson was super Bryson, do you think he could have gotten it over? He could have gotten it far enough left. Yeah, yeah so wasn't, like, wasn't the Bryson line just left of the bunkers and just as far played, up that hill as possible? He never played it as like Hulk He never Bryson. played it as Hulk of Bryson, so I don't, we're not going to know. We're not going to know. Uh, that's know. a true what if. That yeah, really that's, is that's a, a good a what if. But, but so to answer, to answer your question, Brian, like there's no question to me that Rose in that moment, you know, the, the day's winding down. You know, he knows he's only going to hit a couple more golf shots that day. 
maybe this is enough to make it not happen, right? Maybe if I wait two minutes here, the horn blows, right? Maybe if, maybe if, maybe if, and and eventually, okay, it doesn't. So I'm actually going to have to hit this shot. But, um, you know, there's there's there can be a lot of waiting under umbrellas around times, right? If I can just you know wait for that puddle to come up on that green, you know, then then we don't have to play golf anymore while it's raining. That was a pretty like wild scene because it, it totally blew in and it was like, oh boy, here we go. And then as Brian said, by the time it got back to Rose's turn to hit, it was almost like perfectly sunny again out on the course. It, it was literally, a, I don't even know if it was a five minute long squall that just blew right through. But I mean, there was real shots that were like, this is, this is going to be grisly now. And then, nope. Or perfect, which was interesting because Rose clearly got very deliberate and it was like, yeah, coming back tomorrow anyway. I'm not in a hurry. We're going to do this. Meanwhile, you have Denny McCarthy who goes out, throws a 29 on the front side. He's in contention on a heater. And I got to think he's just like, let's go. Let's go. I don't want to stop. I don't want to go to bed. Like I want in. And then, of course, he just runs into whatever's slow in front of him. But I felt for him as just being like, oh, this guy has got to keep, got to keep going. You got to keep this going. There was even a mention on the broadcast for Saturday when play was actually halted, more so due to any elements, just due to high wind. And there was talk about, and Billy, you may know this having played there. And actually, George, you played there as well. There was a lot of talk of kind of microclimates or this idea of like, hey, it's nice and sunny and doesn't feel that windy over here on the Pebble Beach side. But down in Monterey, they're facing, you know, balls that can't stay on the greens. And and I think if if I understand this correctly, Justin Rose actually was very vocal. He was playing Monterey Monterey Peninsula that day, and was basically like, "The ball is moving. I'm not hitting this shot," which led to I think them, you know, blowing the horn and calling everybody off the golf course. Yeah, because yeah, if you look where they sit on the peninsula, they actually sit on different sides. So as the wind's whipping off for one, the other one can be like completely, I won't say completely, but way sheltered versus yeah. The, the exposure. And then if you're at spyglass, like you're in the forest. So aside from like the first four, five holes of spyglass that kind of get exposed with the views down to Cyprus, like you are, you're in the forest and the wind could be howling everywhere else. And for you, it's going to be breezy. Uh, so I, it, it is, that is one of the weird parts of that tournament that you can have wildly different conditions at all three courses simultaneously. Yeah, and obviously anytime that you need to halt play on one of the courses, you have to halt play on all three. Um, so that's kind of the, you know, equity or fairness or whatever you want to call it, that that when you halt at one, you 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 halt at all the others. I mean, I've played spyglass, we've we've played where you really almost couldn't see because of the fog. And to George's point, it's sunny at Pebble. You know, but and they kind of weren't going to halt the whole thing for us to play two holes in the fog, you know, kind of kind of thing um, at Spyglass. So you know, we we played and didn't really see our tee shots go down eighteen or or the first hole. I mean, we we found them. We knew, you know, played on. But so I wanted to touch oh, on kind of Justin Rose's. Straight. It's in the fairway. Oh, <laughs> oh I hit it right. You should me. try it. <laughs> So I wanted to go back to Justin Rose, obviously wins and, and his, his career has been really interesting and interesting. If you think about this last year, when we've obviously had 
a number of top players and sort of middle players or players that were maybe in like you'd call the twilight or back end of their career make the decision to jump to live. Notably, I'm looking at players like Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter. And, and there were people that speculated Justin Rose's name amongst that mix. But you could actually argue that he has not been of really good form in the last few years. This was a guy that as as recently as 2018 was the number one player in the world, you know, wins the 2019 Farmers. He, he's won a major championship. This is his 11th victory on the PGA Tour. He's won 11 times on the DP World Tour. A, a very, very fine world-class player, but he's been in, you know, relatively poor form, one could say, in the last few years. And I kind of think, and I, I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts on this, perhaps he was the type of guy that felt like maybe he should have been a team captain, for example, if he went to live and maybe wasn't getting it based on recent play. I'm curious if I'm over, over analyzing that or if, uh, or if there's more that you think meets the eye there. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction. For more than 30 years, Zero Restriction has been the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. Check them out at zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. Thanks to our friends at zerorestriction.com for their support of the Living It Up podcast. I have no idea if he's kind of got that that level of ego. Putting aside that like to be a professional athlete, you have to have a pretty tremendous amount of like positive belief ego. Um, so I, I don't know for sure that like that's his motivation. Um, but cause I mean, I gotta believe like if Poulter could get a team, did Poulter, does Poulter have a team or is he on Lee Westwood's team? I think they've switched that back and forth a number of times. Who, who could say who's the captain of that squad? Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like it, cause there was, I mean, that would actually be one of the great interviews of all time to go to him, like Adam Scott, some guys that were heavily rumored and by all accounts were kind of like the contract was in front of them and the pen was in their hand and did not seem to go forward to find out like, what was, what was your final? Like, no, I'm out. Um, But, but Rose fell off when he did his club deal. Yeah. There was, there was a time in 2019 when he took a contract with uh, Hamna Japanese company. And notably, I think the irons were strong, but I think it was the woods or the, you know, the hybrids that he really wasn't playing well. If you looked at the numbers, that was, sort of where he dropped off with strokes gained off the tee when he was using that equipment in the early days. And they, as, as, as I recollect, he sunsetted that deal pretty soon or as soon as he could. Uh, but it did, it did seem like it crept into his play. I, I mean, it's amazing that when you think about it, they noted this on the broadcast, he was not in the masters this year. He was not in the PJ championship. He was actually not going to play next week in this, in this designated event at the waste management Phoenix open, but now he gets into the event as the winner. Of course, now he'll play in the masters and all the other majors and the players championship. Yeah. Justin, you know, his career trajectory fit live tremendously, right. As a, as a major winner, as a Olympic gold medalist, as a FedEx cup winner, um, you know, he had kind of all those feathers that were four years behind him uh, three, four years behind him when, when Liv comes on the scene and, and you would have thought that, that he certainly would have had something put in front of him. Now I'll give you a different take on this in that he, uh, his career is managed by Excel sports management, also known as Mark Steinberger or Mark Steinberg, also known as Tiger Woods agent. 
And I don't think you're allowed to go to live from that management group. Yeah. And I, I didn't know about his, all of the tournaments that he was way down on. Um, because I do, I do think, you know, ever since he burst onto the scene, there was this expectation, like this guy should pick off, you know, a few opens, um, seeing him when he won that U S open at Marion, like full control doing it. Um, and, and so I, I'd be curious if part of his calculus in going or not going to live was like, I think I got one more run in the tank. And if I can, if I can get back, I mean, 2019, well, I guess it's four years ago, but like not that far long ago. And if he's like, I was number one in the world. Like I was the guy that was on top of Rory. I guess Rom was still very ascendant, but like he was the dude and all the same dudes have been around. Speed had been around. JT had been around. Now, like he's got to think to himself, like I could probably get back to the top or get top 10 competitive, get some exemptions. And then maybe he makes a move. I don't know, but I didn't realize that he had kind of run out of, of all the invitations. Yeah. Well, and Justin's, been to the bottom of the abyss as well. I mean, I think he missed 21 straight cuts when he, when he turned first turn pro. I mean, I think that's his first year yeah. on the European tour was 20 or 21 straight cuts. So he's, he's, he's been to the abyss and he's crawled out of it, you know, from, from early in his career to then, you know, making a very nice career to then clipping off the major and, and, and the Olympics and the gold medal. So um, he's, Probably you're right, George. He, he he's thinks I I've done it once. I'll do it again, and and so maybe here he comes. And so I want to talk a little bit more about Pebble Beach. Uh, much has been made, obviously, of these new designated events that we're going to really have the first full field designated event next week in Phoenix. But but I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on like where does Pebble Beach kind of fit now that we have the designated events? If we look forward, you know, does this event still remain the Crosby Clambake, and it's a fun one with you know, athletes and entertainers and celebrities and comedians, but, but still sort of a, you know, B level field. I mean, Jordan Spieth was in the mix uh, or in the field, I should say, wasn't really in the mix. Uh, but it was one of those ones where you did not have a, a very strong field from a, just a name recognition standpoint. There were many people that were looking at this leaderboard versus what you actually saw at, at the Saudi Imitational. And they were like, uh, wow, this is a quite a stark difference between Abe Anser and, and Cameron Young and a number of players that I, that I know off the top of my head versus who, who is this guy, Kurt Kitayama? Many, many, many were probably, you know, scratching their head and saying. Yeah, I think it's pretty, when you, I mean, just, you look at the dollars, you look at what's at stake for the designated events. Um, I think this, this, this tournament is going to suffer probably more than it already has. It, it suffered for the last handful of years. Um, and, you know, we talked about it kind of in the preview and even earlier on this show, like, the weather's wonky. You don't know what you're going to get. The The rounds are not. You know you're getting six-hour rounds. So you know this is going to be slow golf on three, like, very different golf courses. Um, so you're even – you don't really get continuity of the golf when you're playing it. And there's all the schlockiness and everything else that goes with it. So the, the one thing this tournament has going for it is that it's at Pebble Beach. And you could basically run out, um, you know, I, I use the term regularly, but like you can run out a bunch of traffic cones and I'll watch golf at Pebble Beach. Um, and if it's beautiful weather, great. I'll hang out in my cold East Coast house and I will watch beautiful Pebble Beach. 
if it's an absolute catastrophe of weather, I'll enjoy it even more. And there's not a whole lot of courses that give you that. So the, the tournament as a whole, for a spectator standpoint, I think is going to be fine. For people who want it to be, who, I mean, rightfully believe it's Pebble Beach, we should see the best duke it out at Pebble Beach. I just, I have some ideas as to how to change it to maybe make it better, but in its current format, I don't think that's ever going to change. Yeah, you're going to get to see the best duke it out at Pebble Beach when they host the U.S. Open. Right. And that's going to be kind of a once every 10 year thing. I mean, I, I don't have the schedule memorized, but I know that they're on the schedule many times in in the next 30 years. And that's that's kind of where you're going to see the best Duke it out of Pebble Beach. And and those years where it is the U.S. Open site, they might get a little better field in February. Um, the years where Thursday, Friday before the the Chamber of Commerce weather's coming out they might get a little better field. Um, but this is going to be one of those, and and there's going to be many more that are going to be the um, fallout from designated events. You just look at the schedule and and think about how to guys add one. Um, and, and, and Jordan talked about this a little bit this week, you know, and AT&T is one of his sponsors, so he's always going to be there. But I think it turns into five out of six, you know, for him because of that, right? So you have, uh, you got Phoenix next week, you got Riv, then nobody's going to play Honda, right? And Honda's gone and, you know, as a, as a title sponsor and, you know, then you have Bay Hill and players and then, you know, Valspar is kind of going to get, get hurt. And, you know, then you have match play and those, you know, and, and I don't even know if we're going to have a match play tournament going forward, you know, much has been talked about that in Austin country club and, and that this week so there's there's going to be a lot of tournaments like pebble where you know you're used to have seen you know some good fields and stuff and and the designated events are going to take that away and that's just going to be something that is the tour going forward there's there's no turning back from this designated event uh thing and the sooner the to me i've said it before on multiple podcasts the sooner the tour embraces it and and just figures out how to market it as it is, as we have a two-tiered system on the PGA Tour, the, the better off the tour is going to be. Yeah, and George, I'm curious to get some of your thoughts on how you might spice this up, but I, but I look at it as, is this the week where the tour ought to be telling the stories of the Denny McCarthy's, the Brandon Woo's, the Peter Molnati's, and talking about them just sort of like in a very uh, matter-of-fact way as like these guys are not yet in that upper echelon of players that are you know, competing at these designated events, but hey, this is their opportunity to break through. I'm curious if it is the opportunity to just tell those stories of the lesser known guys and should they just lean into that? But I'm curious, George, what are your thoughts on how they might spice this one back up? They're going to have to figure out a way to get some bigger star power there because the CEOs are apparently, you know, stroking off $100,000 checks to show up to this thing. They don't really want to go have a martini with Brandon Wu. They want to get their picture taken with a star and a superstar. So if that's where this is going to keep going, they're going to have to figure out a way to get some more stars there. They can never make this a designated event because the stakes are too high in those events to put up with the sideshow that is going to be the celebrities and the musicians stopping to play a song in the middle of the fairway and all the other stuff and the, the super slow rounds. If they wanted to keep it as sort of a different event, I think something would be very, very cool 
that you could actually probably get a lot of players to show up for and play hard for is you put you pair each pro with a college player from their alma mater that's there and so you're bringing these top gun ams in you know all the big schools will be represented the pga tour by some of its new rules that got sneaky sneaky put in is doing everything it can to keep these college kids from even looking at an alternative and let's throw them out on the biggest stage with the cameras with a pro and a lot of those guys anyone who played college sports the second you kind of are going to be wearing your jersey adjacent, the juices kick back in, and I think they're going to play super hard, and it would be a fun event to have these two-man teams go play. Now, did, could you make it a designated event? Again, probably not because you have this other element to it, but I think that could actually be a really interesting event. So if I play this out, we've got a 156-man field. Are you proposing something akin to you know take the PGA Tour university standings and – you know, split it in half and, and say it's going to be a, you know, 80-ish, 78 field event for pros and set paired with 78 amateurs or, or college college players plus their amateur partners. Yeah, I, I think you would do something like that. Now, and I, I mean, I don't know, again, the numbers game over three courses, you get to have kind of have a little bit more, but like, and do you find, and I guess from the CEO ranks, it might be trickier to find CEOs that went to like, Augusta State than Harvard. I don't know if there's Harvard represented on the tour all that much, um, but like try to get like a CEO from the school. Like you could you could figure out a way to get these really high profile, really good AMs there. Obviously, this event thrives because the CEOs write a lot of checks that go to the charities and the donations and all you know this thing fosters. Um, and you could figure out a way to make it better golf but still sort of keep the vibe. I and, and that's what came to mind because that would actually be, I mean, I've enjoyed watching golf channel, college golf on kind of Monday, Tuesday nights, a little, little bit more than some of these sort of ho-hum tour events. Because um, it is, well, it's a little bit more unpredictable golf, which I guess is when you get the lower events, the players are a little bit more unpredictable. But the... Like, I just think that could be something that would be more entertaining than, you know, TPG having its chief financial officer stroll up and who who knows who that guy is and cares. Yeah, no, it'd be an interesting one to consider. You could almost imagine when the cut happens and, you know, on Sunday, everyone's playing Pebble Beach. Maybe there's an opportunity for those that didn't make the cut to play with maybe some collegians at the other courses since they're not being used on that Sunday final round there. It's an interesting idea and one that I, I think, you know, I would encourage, you know, folks to think about ways to spice this one up, whether that is through giving out like PGA tour university, you know, the top 15 or 20 get in. I think that would be an interesting one to think about. Um, so let's talk about maybe a little bit. Uh, we, we can wrap on this uh, Pebble beach uh, pro-am with who actually won the AM competition, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and Ben Silverman pick off uh, the amateur title. Uh, both Keith Mitchell and, and Josh Allen were giving him a hard time about carrying a 10 handicap. I did some sleuthing on the gin app and found that he does carry a 3.0 index over at Green Bay Country Club. So 10 seems a little steep, but we, we did find that there may be some some rules on that. George, what did you find there? Well, I don't know that I found rules, but it sounds like Aaron Rodgers probably goes bass fishing with those dudes who stuffed weights down the fish that they caught to go win tournaments. So um just take that for what it is 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is a friendly deal, right? And like you get kind of this handicap uh, adjacent type thing where where maybe you were a 10 uh, a couple years ago and they, they haven't really updated it because you did shoot 85 every time you came. So didn't really matter. And 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 maybe it's not the most straightforward uh, thing that's being done off of the off of the gin index, but it's not a great look. I, I got to tell you, you know, most of the time, I mean, like, like we'd have to go down the list here. I mean, but, but most, most amateurs that win this, like win because their pro finishes in the top five as well. Right. They're drafting off their pro. Right. Well, well, but they're playing great too. Right. And, but they're, but they're pros playing great as well. You know, Larry Fitzgerald won with, with Kevin Streelman when he finished high uh, you know, Bill Murray won with DA points when DA won the thing. I think Gretzky won with DJ maybe when DJ won a number of years ago. Um, so, so normally they're they're pretty high. But the, but the other the other piece of this that you have to remember is that they didn't play a Sunday. Okay, so there was no fourth round of the amateur competition. Typically, there is twenty five amateurs make the cut and play Sunday, and that's a new deal, right? Yeah, I mean, if you were... if you think of amateurs are nervous on Thursday. They make the cut and play Sunday. Yeah, the cameras are on every hole I at mean, that point. And, and these guys are, they, I mean, it's a different deal, right? And so kind of who survives that is likely the one whose pro is playing well and right, whose but, pro makes six birdies and they happen to just make a four for three once and they, you know, shoot five, six under. Yeah, but in this situation, I think they the team finished 25 under and – the the pro i think was like three over like, he, it he was, was over par yeah I, I it was startling it was, <laughs> it was very yeah, startling yeah, hey, hey you know aaron Rodgers has taken a team on his back before that uh, this is true well hey pro, we'll, pro. We'll, we'll we'll do some quick hits around the golf world i had mentioned at the top there was a crazy finish on the dp world tour congrats to daniel gavins but i gotta gotta say the way that he got there was quite noteworthy has a uh has a two-stroke lead on the 72nd hole par five hits one in the water retees it just based on sort of where he crossed the hazard retees it puts it in the fairway hits the next one in the water you know penalty shot fifth shot goes on the green but pretty lackluster pitch and then just ho-hub knocks in a, a 30 footer for double bogey uh, to actually win because the guy in front of him had three putted so congrats to daniel gavins but a, a very very wild finish on the dp world tour uh, and then moving to the to, totally the Saudi, to every part of that except the the 28 foot to win <laughs> but no but like how many times have you made an absolute mess of a hole you stand over the putt for double or triple from wherever and center cut so uh, again these these golfers this weekend were i loved it they were reaching out to the people and they were playing <laughs> people's golf so uh on on both sides of the globe uh so i, I frankly i felt so at home watching all of it yeah, very, very hashtag relatable there. And at the Saudi Invitational, uh, Honest Abe Answer wins over uh, Cameron Young. Cameron Young was taking a, um, had gotten a release from the PJ Tour to go play in that one. Obviously, he was like a, a young gun in the PJ Tour uh, amidst a lot of guys that are uh, Asian Tour, DP World Tour, and live golfers. Uh, and it was a very live heavy leaderboard there. Uh, Cameron Young finishes second, but Abe Answer uh, knocks off the victory there. N notable, though, we did see Cameron Smith uh, knocking off the rust after a very lengthy time off, misses the cut. Uh, Phil Mickelson misses the cut. And then Dustin Johnson actually withdraws with a back injury. So, you know, this one may be more notable for the people that did not play the weekend than those that did. 
Um, so DJ with a back injury the day before the event. So he's rounding into peak PGA form. Uh, so that's, we're good there. Uh, he'll be just fine. Phil, yeah, he's lost a lot of weight. So probably the body's swing changes, uh, apparently as light as he was in college. So, um, curious to see what's, what's happening there. Cam Young, why he wanted to go to this is a real head scratcher to me. I mean, maybe he's on like a mission from MLB baseball to see if the Saudis want to come buy a franchise to boost the values there. Um, but like, I can't imagine why in the world he would want to just go chase the appearance fee. I guess he is zeros. Zero. Zeros. zeros. Oh, I that's, know. That's, and, I, I mean, I know, you know, but I mean, he, it was he's young enough. I guess he's like, look, man, I'm going to get it while I can. Um, so I'm sure I'm curious if the, if the boys let to work and give him some, some grief that he couldn't go over and beat, uh, the live guys to try and keep, keep the faith there. So it was, uh, like, I don't know. I, th- that tournament was, was interesting. Cam not making the cut. Everyone's going to make a heyday over that. Like, Oh no, he's, he's not even close to being the top three in the world. Everyone needs to just stop talking. So hopefully these guys find it and show up in Augusta in good form. And and one last one uh, from the world of golf. This is one that sadly may be a, a win for the golf uh, Twitter mob. Uh, the Swilkin Bridge at the old course uh, went through a renovation, widely panned by, I think, everyone who saw the photos of the Swilkin Bridge having a, a essentially a giant patio now in the lead up to the Swilkin Bridge since they were having a lot of you know foot traffic and, and tough to grow grass there. But there was such a an outrage from from the Twitter mob that apparently the the Royal Ancient uh, or the old course uh, has decided to walk that back, and they are removing stones one by one. They will figure out another way to to make the Swilkin Bridge uh, new again. This is an absolutely disastrous precedent. Like this is a horrible, horrible, horrible decision by the RNA. Everyone would have said their thing, and in I mean, right now, given the last. 12 months of of golf twitter golf world there would be a whole new issue to be furious over within 36 hours and it would have blown over so i what's going to be crazy now is that these people these golf twitter are they're going to feel emboldened that the next time augusta wants to start making a change that they're going to start mouthing off and i think they have they have a little reality coming if they come for the lords of augusta yeah, I tend to think that this was just a bad camera angle and it looked, you know, a lot wider than it was. But w- we will see what the next iteration of the Swilkin Bridge looks like. And and that leads us into... Because like our... they do realize if they come for Augusta, the Twitter mob, like Augusta will just buy Twitter and turn it off. Like they don't care. <laughs> That's, so That's what's going to happen. So true. And Elon's looking to dump it. So like it's probably yeah, very right. realistic. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a number. There's a number and it's probably, it's probably less, it's probably close to half of the 45 he paid. So that's a good segue into our great golf debate. Actually, the, uh, the, the, the weather, the elements at Pebble Beach uh, were a perfect segue into this great golf debate brought you by our friends at Zero Restriction. And and the question here is when it is cold, when the elements are really uh, popping off, what is your go-to gear to stay warm? Is it the, the, the big mittens? Is it you know, hands in your pockets with maybe a hand warmer in each one, or, or I like to call it the, the quarterback fanny pack. We saw Keith Mitchell sporting this, the one that you, you slide around the back when you need to hit the shot and then you slide it back forward. Uh, the cool part, and maybe I'll kick this off. The cool part of the quarterback 
fanny pack is that now they have the versions that have the electric warmer action going on. And so you just charge those bad boys up and then you've got a full round of just toasty warmness. I'm going QB fanny pack. George, you seem very uh, vociferous on this one. What say you? It's pockets. You just stuff your hands in pockets like a man. And if their hands are too cold, then you just grab a beer that's colder than the weather. And then when it's back out, touching the air, the air feels warm. Like, this is easy. I have more of a question about, like, is that electric fanny pack legal? Like, is that not a, like, a, a device that you're you're using? I mean, if, it, if, it's, if it's got a battery and it's charging, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Have you seen I, these lithium-ion things explode? Like, you want that nice, in your nice. business? I... I say no. I have gotten some questions because I I had some friends that I was I was talking with and I said, no, I usually just go hand warmers in either pocket. And, and they said, you're probably the type of guy that warms that ball. And, and and Billy, has that come up? Do people do people ever get after people for, you know, warming, warming the ball between holes? So I have never seen a, a fight, so to speak, on on this particular you know issue, although there have been multiple player notices in the colder weather, like released kind of from the rules committee reminding you that you're not allowed to do that i've always oh, really? maintained yeah, oh yeah yeah no you can't do that you cannot take the hand warmer and press it on the golf ball okay that's not. but right. if you just throw, but you can throw you the ball that. in your pocket and like warm it up with your hands and body heat right yeah no no you can do that again you're not okay. using an artificial device now if the hand warmer and the golf ball are in the same pocket like that's just happenstance right um now there's, you know, so there's, so there's like an ethical line there somewhere. Right. I mean, but if you, it, but I mean, if I have two hand warmers, one in each pocket, where do I put the golf ball right now? You can't take the hand warmer and like grab it and kind of massage the golf ball with it, you know, in your pocket and whatever. Um, but the answer to this great golf debate is actually mittens with hand warmers in the mittens. Yeah, I'd lose the mittens by 18. Like I well, no, just... I mean you have a caddy, you keep track of these things. Like I don't know. Well, what... I'm I'm not fancy, so I don't have a caddy. I do like the mittens. They have a they have a funny look to them. And I, I'm with George on this one. I think I'd probably lose them on like the third hole. Um so I'm I'm gonna go QB fanny pack for me. I, I think I gotta find who makes these things and I gotta get the fancy one with the electric uh the electric warmers. Yeah, um, I, didn't know I may need this uh, prime you, prime ship to me in the next few days too. So does this mean like when you're playing around, you're going to also use like a fanny pack to hold like the card and your mark and all that other stuff? Like Potentially. I mean, stop, right? I'm thinking now like, like living slip. it up merchandise. <laughs> this could be like one of our first big hits could be the, the QB fanny pack. Could be. George, you have to let me know if it speeds up or slows down play because that could be another consideration here. I mean, if you know, you got to take your hands out of your fanny pack, you got to find your golf ball, you got to spin the fanny pack around. I mean, like, so, you know, you still haven't put I your glove on yet. I imagine you'd have to yet. take it off I mean, every time because it's swing yeah, and swinging think, right? it's gonna yeah, be you gotta take it off. off so now you're gonna lose on. it does it clip back on oh. you guys are worried about losing mittens we just lost a fanny pack we lost an electric fanny pack we no no i'm not gonna lose it it's gonna swing around the back and speaking of living it up merchandise or living it up in general billy you have a uh a foundation you have a pretty cool event on the horizon and you know perhaps we have living it up merchandise at this one we'll see but tell us more about the event yeah, so our foundation, the you know Billy Hurley the Third Foundation, we support military families and and kind of just recognize that the entire family unit's in the military, and so we support the family unit, not just the service member. And um, our big fundraiser golf tournament is May eighth in Annapolis, Maryland, uh, Monday, May eighth. 
but the, uh, the, the bigger thing this week is, uh, as a part of that golf tournament, we award, uh, the foundation awards golfer of the year. And we award 18 of those to 18 active duty service members. And, um, incident to that award is, is an all expenses paid trip to come to the tournament, play in the tournament, you know, be with, with me and, and our sponsors and, and that kind of thing. And, and so that award is, uh, we, we do that by application. The applications close Friday, February 10th. So still a couple more days for active duty members, all, all active duty members. Uh, we've have yet to have an air force, uh, player. Uh, we, we, we've had army Navy Marine Corps, uh, no coast guard yet and, and no air force. So all active duty, uh, not service dependent. You can go to billyhurley3.com slash awards. To now, is, there, is there a way for, for listeners and, and people not military related to support the event? Yeah, totally. I mean, so, so the event is, is driven, you know, by donations and by, you know, paid uh, sponsors who, who play in the event. Um, you can go to bh3.golf for more information on the event. Um, and, and, and you can also just donate to the foundation directly at billyhurley3.com. Well, that is quite cool, Billy. Thank you for sharing that. And I am thinking through, uh, we are at the Army Navy Country Club, thinking through who 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 is my active duty favorite golfer. I have one in mind. I won't uh, dox him here on the podcast, but I may nominate him for a uh, golfer of the year and see if we can get him on there. So that leads us to what is next. We have our second uh, and our first full field designated event of the year coming up this next week at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. You know, this one always has a pretty fun leaderboard of late. Uh, This year, we will also have, you know, all the top players on the PGA Tour. Sadly, not Will Zalatoris. He he WD due to a uh, back injury. But it promises, I think, to be a fun weekend with, you know, Phoenix being also the, the host of the Super Bowl. So what is always a raucous party, you know, potentially is a an even more raucous party this week. So I want to wrap up this podcast with our Super Bowl predictions. Uh, I will go first to you, George. I want you to give me your winner between the Chiefs and the Eagles. And what is our final score? I'll, I'll first start by saying you can't give the the script that was leaked already. Uh, so it's got to be a no. different score. No, no. I, it, it pains me. There are, there are a few populations that detest more but i i'm gonna have to go with philadelphia um i think that team is actually that defense is ridiculous so i'm gonna say it's philadelphia i'm gonna say it is probably 28 17 philadelphia well i'm sitting here thinking philadelphia 27 17 uh before george you know gave his numbers so i feel like i need to change something about it i mean he went 28 i got 27 but i'll just stick with what i said i'll just stick with with what i was thinking Philadelphia 27, Kansas City 17. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with the pack here and, and go with the Eagles as much as it pains me. I'm a, a Commanders fan, so that, that means I, of course, hate everybody else in the NFC East, uh, the first being the Cowboys, but secondly, the, the Eagles, just a, a terrible fan base. Apologies to everyone in the Philadelphia area, but just a terrible, terrible franchise. But be uh, fair, but, you at least hate your owner more than you hate all the oh, teams. Absolutely. That is, that <laughs> is a lock, but, but I will go Eagles. I think it'll be a little more high scoring. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go 34, 34, 31. I think this is a closer one. Eagles, Eagles pull this one out, but it's a, it's a fun one. And I hope it is a fun game because we've had a few duds of late uh, of Super Bowl. So I hope we have a very fun Phoenix Open followed by a very fun Super Bowl, and Real, I uh, before we before we totally sign off here, it just kind of struck me. 
the first designated event is the Phoenix Open. Well, first was Kapalua, technically well, speaking. That doesn't, I mean, that kind of doesn't count as far as I'm concerned. So that was always a designated event to begin mm-hmm. with. Um, but they, like, it couldn't have been an accident to choose Phoenix, right? Like, there's no way that this is a dud. This this event, even when it was, I won't say sparsely attended, but it, it definitely didn't bring a lot of all the top guys the way this one is. Because I think a lot of guys don't really like the circus atmosphere of it. But now you're going to have, I mean, what they say, like 24 of the top 25 players in the world are showing up for this thing. Mm-hmm. In that atmosphere, with the Super Bowl magnify, like there's no way this thing is a dud, right? Like this is going to be an amazing golf tournament. Maybe. I mean, I, I would say the the likelihood of it being fantastic with the caliber of players is very, very high. There still exists that off chance that someone from sort of the lower lower third or lower half of the of the 156 man field, you know, catches a heater and surprises us all. But I would say, yeah, that's the that's the unlikely scenario. Well, that would actually be tremendous, though. I mean, right. it, from, from a viewing standpoint, the, the, the dud is, you know, Scotty Scheffler winning by six. Right. That's that's, that's kind of the yeah. dud. That's right. That's a death. That's bad. So, but um, yeah, I mean, like if if a if a if a dude who Monday qualified or, you know, barely got into this thing is is coming down 16 17 18 with rom and rory and Cantley, you know just throwing darts and he's ducking bullets the whole way that's a phenomenal end i mean yeah so scheffler winning by probably so, anything yeah is, i mean some top end. player winning by winning by four five six is is kind of the the scenario that no tour executive wants to see play out here um yeah, and notably, I just looked this one up. the The winner's share three point six million dollars. So a Monday qualifier winning that thing, or someone like I said in the bottom kind of third of that hundred fifty six man field, would be life changing. Oh yeah, I mean, Indeed. so yeah, I was just thinking like the the atmosphere, everything goes with it. Like I could see myself tuning in for a good bit of this, assuming there's a horse race because that that and I do like that course. That course sets up really good. That back nine um some good risk or war holds it's it's actually really good viewing those people knock the course and you know don't like it for reasons that i'm not familiar with but basically i'm usually locked in by about the the 14th hole and at that point you're kind of excited to see what goes down 16 17's drivable with a whole lot of problems if it doesn't go right um and and then there's 18 so i, I i'm actually i think the tour might have done a good job picking this as the kickoff to this whole designated universe and i do wonder if they have a you know players may not flash you know the crowd on 16 like notice to competitors that comes Um, out and i wonder if guys are going to follow that or not so so this one promises to be appointment viewing for all golf fans the waste management phoenix open leading into the super bowl and with that i uh i will bid you guys adieu for this week i'm excited for this one i will see you guys later